0: Hi everyone, uh, this is Marissa Carpico, the film editor at TheBopRig.com I am here one last time, uh, at least this for this Oscar year um, To talk uh, Oscar nominations um, with Matt Taylor, our TV editor Say hello Matt
1: Hi everyone
0: um, Thanks for listening to all of these first of all Or, you know, a couple of them Or at least this one um, But you should listen to the rest of them
1: uh, at least tell us you th- listen to them all. That's what matters. <laughs> lie lie yeah, to at me. Least
0: pretend to my face. Um, <laughs> the ceremony is going to be in a couple days. Um, hopefully, we're going to get this right. Uh, we held best picture for last. It is the big, the big category. Um, yeah, and the nominees are Black Klansman, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star Is Born, and Vice. Um, there are eight nominees. Out of a possible ten, um, uh, I'm going to go through very quickly the how that happens. So you can have ten nominees. Um, basically, they use a rank choice voting system for this. So everybody who submits the ballot, they rank those rank. They have ten slots. They can rank those um, their their ten favorite movies in those ten slots. First one gets the most most weight. So when they count the ballots for the winner, they take all the ballots. They look at everybody's first choice. Um, if someone gets above like fifty percent, or actually, do you know the um, the percentage for them? I'm thinking of like <laughs> of like voting in Maine or something. <laughs> That's my real job.
1: I think it's fifty percent, but don't yeah, quote me I, on
0: that. <laughs> yeah, I so do I. Um, but anyway, so uh, if if all out of all the first choice. Uh, uh, votes, they hit the, the required percentage, then that thing wins. But if they don't hit the required percentage, they take the uh, number one vote with the lowest amount of votes and look at the second choice on all those ballots. So they strike the first name, they move to the second thing. Um, and not everybody fills out all 10. So they, once you go through all the choices they would just toss the ballot but say there are second choices on all that the second choice is reallocated to whatever the remaining films are um, if a film's been thrown out already for not reaching the um, the percentage then that 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 ballot is um, is done they toss it um, so eventually you just keep doing that round round after round after round after round um, in 2018 for the 2nd Congressional District, they did like eight rounds. Um, Who knows how many they'll do for... I don't think they actually released that information afterwards. Um, Yeah, so basically they do that until someone gets the required percentage and then that's the winner. So that makes predicting this much more difficult than it used to be. Um, For instance, the argument in the Moonlight year was that the reason that Moonlight won is because the people... You could predict that Moonlight would win by the fact that like the one the ranked choice voting things that got eliminated first were probably something like hidden figures. Um, and you could assume that a lot of those would probably go to Moonlight next. Um, so, yeah, it's it's tough to predict any year, but this year is a f- complete who knows who fucking knows.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, uh, we're going to talk about who might win later. But as we go on, but it could truly be anyone based on those based on the rules. Um, yeah, I already read them. Uh, let's go to Black Klansman. Um, I'd be happy if this one. I don't think it will.
1: I agree. I think if this movie won, it would be really exciting. It, I think just the fact that it's nominated truly like yeah. shows on some level that the Academy is starting to. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's on one level, I want to say it's starting to realize that there it has given the Oscar to many problematic films in the past. I mean, literally, the film opens with a clip from Gone with the Winds. But, um, like, I, but then again, you have other films nominated in this very category that show that there has not been that much (laughs) progress. But, you know, um, I would love it if this film won. I don't think it will. It's, it's really phenomenal, though. And I really do think if this was released in the fall instead of the summer, it'd have a really good chance at winning. And I think it's, like, a total miscalculation on, um, focus features part i think it's focus features um mm-hmm. to release it over the summer it, might, it was a big hit so you know like they made money that way but it's the sort of thing it could have been such an oscar force if it was released in november or october
0: yeah i i agree i we might have said that on another pod but it, it's true it's worth saying again um especially because uh, the the academy and you know the film community in general uh, like respects Spike Lee so much that it's obvious that this should be on here and this is one of his best films in years um, I've said before that I prefer Chirac but I think this one is great I mean it, it's great it's it's uneven but it, it is great
1: I also prefer Chirac which is so good uh-huh. yeah. oh, God, <laughs> what a I great love movie yeah. um, but um, you know it's just like it's the sort of thing I think five years from now, 10 years from now, it's one of the best fiction nominees that's going to be better remembered. Um, I yeah. think it will have a real legacy. I mean, just like over the holidays, you know, like I think like many movie nerds, you go back home and like <laughs> you like show your family movies. At least that's at always been a big thing with my family of like during that week when we're all stuck together in the house, um, we like watch movies. And Black Clans went over so well with my family. Like everyone was just so imp- Impressed and moved by it, that like, Mm. I think people will respond very well to it. I think it's going to be a very important film, and I'd like to see that sort of solidified with an Oscar. Like, I think it would be so cool if like Spike Lee won one Best Director or one Best Picture. But I don't think it needs it. I think it's it's going to be a major highlight in in Spike Lee's career, and just I think in like when you look back at 2018 in film.
0: Yeah, no, I I think you're right. It's going to age really well, and it is a great time capsule of both this moment in history but also like film history and uh, we talked about this on one of our earlier pods right after it came out um i had reviewed it for the site and it is such a, a brilliant like while it's about um a true story it's also about examining the way race has been portrayed in film throughout its history um and the ways that's been damaging and and dangerous and really uh, sort of like disappointing and, and important not to forget. Um, and it's just a beautifully edited film. Um, like there is an argument to be made that like the characters are a little, it's hard to connect to anyone in a way. Cause it is kind of a, an ensemble piece and there's not the, the internal emotions are not as present as, as they could be perhaps for some, years. um but I think it's I think it's great i th- I would I would certainly like if it were on TV i'd I'd certainly watch it
1: yeah same yeah. it's there are just some wonderful moments in it i I love I love this one it is one that you know again coming out in August, I saw it really liked it, kind of forgot about it, but then seeing it right at the end of the year, I was like, wow, this movie is really good like yeah ugh. It's yeah, a shame that it yeah. it's a, it's a
0: shame that it had no legs at all. I, I mean, in this in this case it's like the nominee is the, is the win. Yeah. Um next one is Black, Black Panther, which has a real fucking chance. Um because it won uh it won SAG.
1: Yeah, and I hope it does. I think this is one of those ones that could really um um benefit from the balloting um yeah. system, like I just think
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. It's... It, I would love it if it won. It's funny, I've seen so many people um, tweeting about like, oh, like, it'd be cool if a comic book movie finally won. And I'm like, sure, go with that narrative, but why, it'd be cool. Um, it'd be cool <laughs> that, like, it just, like, it's such a, it, it is such a landmark in film, like, like in, in general. I mean, what a great experience to live through in 2018 of just, like, you know, it's a new chapter in pop culture. I really I said that on our top 10 list. Like it's like it's how I imagine it must have been like to live through Star Wars being released in 77 where just like this whole new universe is released and like yeah. you know, everything from like action figures and and Halloween costumes to music is like now altered a little bit based on this film. But also, it, unlike say Star Wars or other major pop culture chapters, it's also a huge film about representation and about um like it like about like race in Amer- in America and just internationally and um I don't know I I love this movie Black Panther. I think it is so good. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean it would be wild. It like I I dare anyone to name an a, a comic book movie that really deserved it other than Aquaman. Um <laughs>
1: Well, that's a given. It's unfair to be to compare them honestly. <laughs> <laughs> just to bring it back to to the true theme of this podcast series. Um but
0: like yeah, I, it does. It opens up an entire world, but it also really turns a mirror on on our world in a way that is really insane. Like it's not even like can you the the thing that blew my mind when we wa- when I watched it um, was that like this is a movie about imperialism and mm-hmm. what would ha- like the, the concept has always been what would happen if. A country in Africa did not have to ever experience that. Like if it were a sovereign nation, untouched it, it, by by people trying to could colonize it. Like what would that be like? And the way this not only shows us that would what that would be like, but then sort of brings in the the Killmonger character to sort of examine American like American isolationism at the same time is incredible to me like that's wild i i just can't believe we got something like that that's the achievement for me in a way of like look at how much this goddamn film does forget how good it is as a piece of comic book writing even um look at look at what it's saying with all of that and also like the things it doesn't even have to say but just does by the fact that like that that society feels so driven by women like it's mm-hmm. so equal. It's just so fucking equal. It's, this, it's it's a utopia in a way of like, no wonder it wants to isolate itself. It has equality and and progress and everything, you know?
1: It's so beautifully made. It is, I think of, to go off of your point, like there are two scenes specifically where I remember as they happened in the theater, just being like, I cannot believe this movie exists and I'm so happy it does, which is the scene where Michael B. Jordan is in the museum talking to the... Um, the white museum worker about the um African artifacts that they're looking at. Yeah. That scene is stunning and I cannot believe that Marvel greenlit a movie with that with that scene in the script, that yeah. it is a central part of a major action scene that like yes. was a major blockbuster movie. Like that's in it felt like something that like you'd hear in a college lecture that is now being brought to like um American and end world cinema, to, like to be honest, like four quadrant cinema, and then um, the final scene. I think it's the final scene where, um, I mean, like spoiler alert for a movie that literally I guarantee every single person on this podcast has has seen. Um, like the final scene where Black Panther goes to that park in um, California at the end, where like the kids see the ship is so stunning and like a direct like statement on like. We needed to do representation better, and we're like making an effort. And I think that's such a beautiful final moment. Yeah. Um,
0: Well, because it's almost like it's almost self-referential, which is like it's saying like for those kids, and I think it's Oakland. um, Look at look at like they are gonna him just showing up in front of them is gonna expand what they think is possible for them. You know, mm -hmm. and in the same way, the
1: movie's doing that. It's so it's so beautiful. I think that movie is so. Fucking good. I've watched it like three or four times now. I will, it'll probably when all said and done, be the movie from 2018 I watched the most. And I love it. I, I would love to see it win Best Picture. I think it was be such a great moment. I mean, look at how great the speech was when they won first of the SAG Award. Like, it's like...
0: Oh my god. They are just... They were... It was so... It's so happy and just like so lovable. It was just like, my god, how could you vote against
1: that? That, I know. that wonderful, like, reaction. It was so great. I really hope it wins. I think it, it would be such a nice, a nice surprise, <laughs> given what like the the actual like <laughs> the actual possibilities are. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I I mean it it has a chance. It, I would and I'd like I would like I'm just getting emotional thinking about it. Um, but the next one is a disaster: Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, Oof. I don't know how much more we can say about how not good that this would be to win <laughs> on so many I, I levels really on so many like, levels it, it's it's the nexus of so many problems um, it, like it's a me too issue it's a homophobia issue it's it's just it's a nightmare uh, you can go ahead and talk about it
1: it's just like you know <gasps> i am truly so tired of, uh, of talking about it like but i'm gonna i'm gonna anyway <laughs> So, like, you better all listen. Um, like, you know, this movie symbolizes so much that I just think is wrong with Hollywood. And it has literally nothing to do with the quality of the film. It is a poorly made film, yes. Like, let's get that out of the way. Like It is not a well-made film.
0: Yeah, if you listen to our editing episode, I, we both can't believe this was nominated for editing.
1: Yeah, and, like, you know, I think this is a very tired and simple argument, but, like, it is true. In a post-Walk Hard world, like, it's very hard to make a musical <laughs> biopic that feels fresh. I hate that so many people sum up their review with that, and I'm like, there's Ugh, so much more gorgeous. to be said. It's like, you know, like, there's so much more to be said about this movie. Yeah,
0: it's a very cute way of being like, they have an original thought when you're not, literally not having an original
1: thought. Right. So I'm just like, you know, we'll say that right at of the back. Like, this movie is bad. In the technical sense, and I think it's insane that it's doing so well, and a testament to how much people like Queen. But um even though, I mean, let me tell you, they all look insufferable on these in-, in these interviews, and I'm just like, "Dad Rock has to die." That's what I'm saying. Like, it's like, it's like I cannot wait till my generation is parents, and like, we. Well, roommates. I
0: will. Say, I love I love Queen a lot. Um, always have, but I I do think, like as hard. And tries to make it seem as if Freddie Mercury needed them, they come off like fucking jealous little homophobes in this thing. Little square assholes. I hate them. They, like, the fact that they, I hate them. <laughs> no, <laughs> this yeah, movie truly. makes me hate everybody but Freddie Mercury, which was clearly their intention to have me hate him.
1: It's insane. It is insane that they, like, don't get how bad they look in this movie. Like, it's, I mean, like, granted. They look bad in this movie to people that are approaching it in a critical lens. And then there are so many people who, like, truly don't get why, like, how this movie is is so horrid, which is just insane. Like, it's like, I have had so many conversations with people that, like, you know, you go through your day and, like, people just make small talk with you. And Bohemian Rhapsody has come up so many times, more than most movies, um, this year because everyone saw it. And, um... I am just so tired as a queer man. Like it is so tiring to have to explain to people that like, yes, this movie might seem on the surface to have this message about like, um, Oh, like, you know, like he had to accept himself and then like everything became better. And like, like, yes, on the surface, that seems to be the message of this movie, but to have to explain how insidious it is and how, many horrible things it implies about gay men and bisexual men because let's not forget also Freddie Murphy was yes. bisexual and yeah. this movie completely erases his, his identities as a bisexual man. Um, that
0: fucking scene where he's like, I'm bisexual and his totally well-meaning wife played played by my beloved Lucy Boynton says like, no, you're not, you're gay. And I just, oh my God, I if I were watching it on TV, I would have put my foot through the TV
1: just out of rage. It's so upsetting and like, but you know, it's like, I've gotten to a point where like when I'm making small talk with people about the film, I just don't get into it because, and I think that's so disappointing. Like it's like, like I'm disappointed in myself in a way because it's like, this movie is really terrible, but
0: I feel, I mean, listen, you joke about self-care all the time, but at at this point, I think it really is self-care on a level like this. I agree completely because I, because I had the same response of like, this was the film that people kept talking to me about that. I was like, you know what? fuck it i am so fucking tired of having to explain things this, now like this is this is i've just decided we just got to wait for everybody over 50 to die i am done like i'm so tired that's what i'm saying I about most
1: things in just society in general like it's like yeah. we're just yeah, like, waiting i'm just over it
0: i just can't do it anymore if i got to convince you to like not be an asshole i'm fucking done that's truly
1: it. and you know the movie's garbage bryan singers a horrible person and i i just i i cannot wait for this movie to um for this oscar season to end and i never have to ever think about this movie again even though apparently they're making a sequel and i'm like please for the love of god don't do what this the to
0: fuck? us who what is that gonna be just tragedy porn of poor you know poor fucking freddie mercury dying of aids i don't i I i i'm gonna hang up <laughs>
1: It's just, like, it's funny also that, like, that's being... I mean, granted, it's, like, the the people from Queen are toying this around, so, like, I don't know how serious these talks are about, about a sequel, but, like, it's, like, you cast no-name people in the other three parts, so it's, like, what, you're gonna, like, set this whole movie around the three of them, and I'm, like, it's, it's just, like...
0: Yeah, it's gonna be... No, you're right. It's gonna be the three of them watching Freddy die, and then he becomes fucking Angel in goddamn Rent.
1: Oh, God. We can't let it happen.
0: We, <laughs> like it's, uh, it's nightmare unit. Aren't we all? Re- we are living in the worst timeline, so it's very possible.
1: It truly is, and you know, <laughs> my god, I'm so tired <laughs> of it. It's like I need the Elton John movie to come out so that like I can be like saved, hopefully. And then if, we're we're getting David Bowie biopics that just they just announced and a Prince um... biopic, and I'm like, God, it's like at least make them well. Like it's like if I have to sit through all this, like, cause I I. David Bowie is bisexual and I am already cringing to see how they depict it because I'm like it's going to be problematic as fuck.
0: Yeah. I I hope I I I already have it, seriously if Rocketman's not good which by the way everyone should know is directed by the person who finished this uh, B- Bohemian Rhapsody off when Brian Singer um got fired. Um but yeah, I if that's bad I'm going to f- like not recover because i just need it would be so bad I just like something needs to wash the taste of this fucking movie out of, out of my mouth and if like that's bad and then we get a bad bowie movie and then we get a bad prince movie i'm just like gonna quit movies
1: truly it's like we don't we don't need a prince movie that's one where i'm like i'm putting my foot down prince is perfect let's not do this people like it's yeah.
0: like it's called purple rain watch it
1: <laughs> truly Like, they should just re-release Purple Rain into theaters. I'd go. Like, it's like... I I did do... When
0: he died, they released it in theaters. And I went and saw it in theaters. And then I called my mom afterwards and I said... And then... (laughs) This is such a tangent, but... My mom was like, oh, yeah, Apollonia. She went to high... I went to high school with her. Her name was Patty. But, yeah. That's Um, amazing. I... Sorry, there's a siren going by. Um... Yeah, I I can't do anything else with Prohemian Rhapsody. I can't wait to never talk about it again. It is unfortunate that like whole generations of realistically like queer people who love the Oscars are going to have to watch it.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I'm happy that the narrative amongst Oscar people, not Oscar voters, Oscar fans is yeah. so negative because I think like it shows you there's a disconnect in Hollywood from what people are thinking and like yeah. Uh, I it's it's so it's so bad. I I'm yeah. just like you know, thank God I did not see this as an impressionable youth, and I saw it in my like twenties where I could just be like be like fuck this movie because I, I know there are going to be plenty of qu- young queer people thirteen or fourteen who see this in, and will need to unpack a lot of shit from it.
0: Oh God, that's true. I never. Oh God. Oh no, I can't. Um, let's talk about a good queer movie. The favorite.
1: Yes, there we which go. Which is
0: also nominated and which probably won't win but boy would it be a wonderful surprise
1: that i would like faint on the spot if the favorite won
0: <laughs> i'd have to do the oscar pod the post oscar pod alone
1: <laughs> it's just so funny to me because like you know the favorite is one that from the very beginning had a lot of buzz um you know it's a costume drama those tend to get buzz has three incredibly acclaimed actresses tends to get buzz but when you step back and think about it it's wild that this movie yeah. Is, such a, is such a big contender. Well, it it did
0: take a, a long time to get made because it, it, we just talked about this in... Um, well, not just. You and I just talked about it, but you guys would have listened to it a couple days ago um, in the foreign film category. of Like, people have a weird thing with female sexuality and this film is about that. And, like, female sexual power as well.
1: And let alone queer female sexual power. Like, it's like... You. It's just, I mean... It's sort of a film that is such a hard sell in Hollywood on paper. And I cannot believe it got made. I cannot believe it's been so respected. And I'm so happy it did because it's wonderful. And I think it's so much fun. I have heard like a lot of other Oscar people saying how like, oh, like they can understand that this one's a hard sell. And I'm like, you know, it's a hard sell to my parents. But I feel like it's like anyone (laughs) under like 40, I think, could find this movie fun. Like, I don't know. It's so it's so good. Yeah, really and those are the, the people movie. I've allowed to live in,
0: in. a theoretical from a couple of minutes ago. So yeah, there we go. That's why they're living. Um. <laughs> yeah. No, I. I think it, it's true. We have talked so much about it, but like, I could never get bored of talking about it. Like, a friend of mine just saw it for the first time, like a week ago, and she was like, "Hey, did you see the fair? Like, how good is the fair?" I was like, "Oh, it's so good." And then, you know, she was like, the ending's weird. I was like, no, the ending's the worst part. She's like, yeah, but the rest of it's great. I was like, yeah, exactly. It's just so, it's such an enjoyable watch. It has three great performances. If Olivia Colman weren't going up against um, Glenn Close, like, (laughs) realistically, Glenn Close's Golden Globe speech, um, (laughs) she'd be winning the damn thing. And she would totally deserve it. And she'd be in fully her imperial phase. And again, if Emma Stone hadn't won a couple years ago, she'd be winning this one. Rachel Vice is robbed every year.
1: Truly. Um, I know, like, even to go back to the idea of, like, young, queer, 13-year-old Matt watching movies, um, like, this is a movie that is playing at my suburban theater. Like, it's, like, it is... And, like, that's so cool to me. Like, it is, like, this yeah. shows you how, like, you know, there's a lot of terrible progress, but there's also some good progress of, like... Yeah. Um, like, steps for every step back, there's a step forward. And it's, like... This movie getting such a wide release. Be, and then being a queer film that's not in any way about coming out. Like, this movie never even really acknowledges, like, that they're queer women. It, it, it does not at one brief point, but, like, yeah. for the most part, it's kind of incidental. And that's so exciting to me. And I hope more films follow suit. Like, it is not concerned at all with being a movie about coming out or, like, queerness. No. It's... And that's how I want that's that's my ideal future there's no no one over 50 and queer movies are incidental
0: yeah no that's a fascinating way to put that because it it, it is it, on the, because of Queen Anne it does sort of um grapple with the idea of this closeted narrative um and, and that's true of all of them but it's like not their it's not the main thing it is it is part of the way the men treat them the way they do though you know
1: yeah no it's very it's done in a very subtle way and it's not really; it never dictates the plot, if you like the 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 actual plot points. Like, it's more just like in the background, and I think that's right. very exciting.
0: Right, it's adding color in some way, but not. It's not what it's about, which is you're right. Like what we always see usually, and here that's a good point that it it is screening so wide and like, it it is gonna like be so influential for so many little baby gays, you know.
1: <laughs> yes, I cannot wait for like RuPaul season. 22 where oh my God. <laughs> we're getting like naomi smalls jr <laughs> um oh. quoting oh. the quoting yeah. and that
0: and naomi smalls jr will say to naomi smalls like this the original's face the same <laughs> thing she said to um to uh sierra
1: <laughs> i used to dance to you all the time in middle school
0: Oh my God! The, like, and then Naomi's whole life will just flatten in front of her. You know what I mean? Like, her her age will her she'll f- suddenly feel her m- mortality for the first time. I'm there we crazy.
1: go. We just lost all of our straight listeners. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, whatever. Whoever was left. Um, yeah, cool. the favorite. That would be wonderful. One probably probably won't. But um, God, it's a great film. I I, I would watch that a, a million times. Like, realist. Like thinking of ones that will watch forever and ever. Like. Black Clans and Black Panther and that are like, oh, God, I can't wait to watch those over and over again for the rest of my life kind of thing. Truly. Um, the next one is uh, Green Book, which won the Producers Guild Award. Um, so it could very well win. Um, I Unfortunately, I think the the sort of controversy and stuff surrounding that, it's not quite sticking to it in the same way that it is Bohemian Rhapsody, but that this is much worse, obviously. Well, I don't know. Um, They're all bad in different
1: ways.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's got a whole lot of problems. It's got a race issue. It's got a, uh, a me too issue and it's got a, um, uh, Oh, well another, another racism issue, two separate racism issues, (laughs) which is too, too many for a book about, or a movie that's supposed to be about learning good things about different races
1: green book is truly a garbage movie (laughs) like and i mean i will say unlike bohemian rhapsody i think at the very very least it is competently made it's Um, very
0: made, and i think that's why it's so damn convincing it's classical hollywood filmmaking which is why it can convince you into into not forgetting that it's not 1995
1: like but uh, oh my god it is such garbage and like when you stop and you talk about the story points or, like, the the mere fact that, like, the main character's arc is, like, becoming a, like, semi-decent human being. And I'm saying that very lightly. Yeah, <laughs> um, because
0: he starts it as a racist
1: meatball. And then at the end, he's a slightly less racist meatball. Yeah.
0: They put spaghetti on it. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's just, like, you know, it's 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 like... I'm, I'm like, infuriated that it's doing so well, but also, I just kind of... I have to laugh at some point of just, like, really, people? Like, it's like yeah. this movie? <laughs> um It's insane. It's insane when you think about it. Like, at the very least, like, a movie like The Help, which is problematic and, like, is another white savior movie, yeah. gave Viola Davis' character and Octavia Spencer's character really big arcs to work with and made them, like problematic cliches of characters but actual characters but and,
0: it, yeah and it, it, it understood yeah. people in a better way like every character in that is interesting for a different reason and has like interiority and and a lot going on like Jessica Justine is great in that Bryce Dallas Howard is great in that um that's a, and the like, help is
1: well made I I, I do yeah. like the help I will say like uh, and yeah. it at least understands that like Audiences, I mean, like I say, audiences aren't, but like I guess it's more audiences shouldn't be interested in like a plot about a white person becoming a decent human being. Like it's yeah. like, like you know, but it's yeah. The Green Book, is, yeah,
0: I have major yeah. issues with that film, but you, you're you're it does it does foreground the right narratives, and in a way that this just doesn't.
1: Right, and I mean, it's just it's even re- removing that. It's like you have like. The scenes of Vigo Morton talking about Italian food and eating Italian food that are just painful to sit through. His mm-hmm. terrible performance. You have a really poorly done queer narrative that it's over before it even starts. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, I, I come half of my family line is a bunch of, you know, problematic meatballs. So, But, I, you know, I, I, even this for me was like too much. It was just too much.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, the scene of him eating pizza in bed, like, I, I mean, like, a full pizza is just insane. It's like, you know, I also come from a family of Italian meatballs and like, you know, they're pretty, they got some pretty gross eating habits. I don't think a single one of them has, has ever done that.
0: Like, no, like, nobody's ever done that.
1: <laughs> it's just like, my God. And I mean, just like, you know, then you, you add in the historical inaccuracies, the fact that it's like. We are taking this this entirely from a an account that, by by all reports, is quite biased. Um,
0: yeah, which should have been obvious considering the guy was named the lip because he's a fucking fast talking liar. <laughs> it's like
1: stupid. It's it wastes Linda Cardinelli. It's like this movie commits a lot of sins, people.
0: Yeah, and and that fucking uh, acceptance speech during the Globes was insufferable.
1: Truly. I mean, just like, oh, like this, the way they are patting themselves on the back and acting as if they solved racism in America yeah, is well, like, insane. Yeah, what?
0: Fuck off, bro. Ugh, I hate it. I, but I will say, I think, um, I think, I, I don't, like, uh, this year is going to be, like, just looking at the nominees we've already talked about, especially, especially the fact that Bl- Black Klansmen and Bo- Black Panther are in the same year as green book and the favorite is in the same year as bohemian rhapsody. I feel like this is such an indicator. Like we're going to talk about, um, we're going to start talking about old Oscars sometime soon. People, we're going to talk about that a little later, but, um, I think people are going to look back on this year and see it as a year of complete transition in Hollywood, which it is. It Mm. absolutely is. It is indicative of an industry that is going through a major change on multiple levels. We're talking race, Gender um, abuse, (laughs) realistically, Uh, abuse of power, and like how power structures work in that industry. It's the whole thing is in this like whole the 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 whole show, including the fact that there's not going to be a host because of certain certain issues. um, Is going to be seen as such a transition year in the industry, and like it's a weird time to be living through it, but it is so necessary and. I think it's indicative that like the the good movies we've talked about are slowly going to like phase out the one the bad ones we're talking about,
1: you know. I agree completely. I I do hope Hollywood learns the right lessons from this year. I mean, like you know, Bohemian Rhapsody is a big hit, and I hope like you know, there's no, there's nothing wrong with musical biopics if they make more of them. Cool. Yeah, we, I,
0: we just talked about how much we want to see Rocketman.
1: Truly. But, like, I just hope that, um, you know, they learn from the controversy and say, like, hey, what about hiring a queer person who does not have, like, a history of abuse, of abuse allegations to um, direct this film? Or, like, how about consult actual queer people instead of the band to, to craft this narrative? Like, that's why I hold out some hope for films like Rocket Man because you know Elton John is helping to sculpt that narrative. He's a queer man. He'll be able to approach it from a way of like actually telling his story. Yes, versus... he worked
0: specifically with Terran Egerton a shitload.
1: So you know it's like Holly I don't want Hollywood to think them like they don't want these sort we like we don't want these sort of like PG13 sanitized films. About like major issues, I hope they learn that it's we want genuine voices telling this telling these movies, and i 'm telling these stories, so you know, but I agree it 's a transition it 's a huge transition period, and yeah. it 's a good read about the just two thousand eighteen in general like it 's a year of like the old <laughs> the old order dying and the new order yeah. taking you over it is this last season to spirea truly
0: yeah no i mean i really think the best picture category this this year is a is a testament to a huge cultural shift in in the real world um, and like speaking of realistically people telling their own stories roma is is a person who is you know not american telling their story about a story that isn't american which is i fi- you know it's included in foreign film category, but it's also something I just feel like we wouldn't have seen in other years at all, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, it getting nominated for Best Picture is incredibly exciting and, and yeah. wild. I mean, I'm trying to think, the last time I think of foreign, well, no, in the in the expansion to 10 possible nominees, we, there have been a few foreign films. I know, like, a more was nominated. Um, yeah. But, like, and there might have been more that I'm just blanking out on. But um, The Artist. Oh, was that before the expansion? That was after the expansion, but I honestly always forget that it was a foreign film <laughs> because yeah. it feels so American.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, it's so beholden to Hollywood filmmaking.
1: But um, in like the five film years, I think Corrupted Tiger was the only one in my lifetime. And, you know, it's like that and Life is Beautiful. And, um, you know, that's just like it's so rare that these films got a voice in the, in, at the Oscars. And this movie really dictated um, a big part of the narrative for the whole year. And yes. I think it's a big testament also if we're talking about like what 2018 as an Oscar year is symbolizing. It's a testament to how Netflix is slowly becoming a really big um, factor in Hollywood and just yeah. like how we consume media in general. And you know, we could do a full podcast series on the many negative sides to what Netflix is um, doing, and, like, all the kinks they have to work out. It is not a perfect system. But no. this is a movie that, like, w- was given a space in Hollywood because of Netflix. Mm-hmm. I I question if it would even have been able to have been made with another studio. I mean, like, Corona is a powerful filmmaker in Hollywood. He's made so many big films that, like, he might have gotten the funding. But who, who really knows? Like, and yeah. to get this movie so readily available as well, I mean, literally, how many people have Netflix accounts... And how many people could watch this? Are they watching it? I don't know. But it's an option now. And that's very exciting.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, I, I've had a long history of being sort of cold on this film. But it, it I can't deny that it is a great film. It's well made. Like, it's impeccably made. I I actually made this uh, metaphor or like a comparison uh, to someone the other day who was saying like who, who had just watched Roma and really liked it. And they were like, but yeah, I saw a lot of people like online or whatever saying, or I, I read a couple of reactions to it and I was surprised that people didn't like love it as much as I did. And I was like, well, um, I think it's, it's it suffers the same Citizen Kane problem, which Citizen Kane is not a movie I haven't liked very much. Um, because when I first watched it, when you hear best movie, like great movie, you think, oh, narrative as well, because we're so used to narrative filmmaking. But the narrative is actually not the interesting thing about Citizen Kane necessarily um it's the filmmaking and what the way he like the way that film influenced filmmaking after that point um and i think the same is sort of true of roma where the filmmaking is impeccable but if you're not like a film person who looks at the fact that like all there's so many long takes and how difficult that is and how difficult black and white photography is and how difficult it is to write direct and be the cinematographer of your own film um you're going to miss all that. You're just going to look at narrative, and the narrative here is so sprawling and not typical to what we are used to seeing in a Hollywood film that, like, it's easy to dismiss a lot of what's great about it.
1: Yeah, and like, I have not really spoken about it with anybody outside of um, like film lover circles. Like, oh. uh, I'm trying to think. Like, I don't, I don't think I know anybody like from my personal non film world life that has watched it. Um, I'm very curious to hear what they what they thought about it because it is the sort of film that, like, it's yeah. hard to really gauge how it's appealing because you can't get box office numbers. Netflix hasn't revealed their um, ratings for it yet. And, I mean, like, Netflix rating, ratings are really sketchy for those who don't know. I mean, like, they tweet left and right about, like, this show is left by 40 million people. But when you look at, like, the, the fine print <laughs> You prints, subtweet. <laughs> yeah, like, it's like when you look at the fine print of what that means, it's like... It's like it does not mean shit. Yeah, like, because
0: what that means, it doesn't say how many people went through, saw the whole the whole show, or or watched just one episode. It doesn't say how long it took those people.
1: It doesn't uh, even um, signify if they watched a full episode. It's like once yeah, it gets exactly. past seventy percent, it counts as a view, which is insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. but like, but you know, I think I'm here for a studio. For whatever whatever their their interior ulterior motive might be, they're still producing movies like this, and mm-hmm. that's really great. And I'm happy yep. to see it entering the best picture category with it being such a non traditional best yeah. picture type film.
0: Well, I, well, I don't know about that because it it does feel like a lot of other like it feels like French films and 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 long take Russian films, for instance. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that it's like, but. It is the kind of thing that would normally get nominated for an Oscar, but it's not something that would normally be popular, um, mm-hmm. which is always the sort of problem with the Oscars. But I think the I don't know I, I think like to be the devil's advocate on the Netflix thing, which I've always been sort of is like, yeah, you know, more people are going to see it, but because they're bad at advertising and um this film probably should really be seen on big screen. People aren't going to really know how to – aren't going to be seeing it in the the best way if they're going to see it at all, you know?
1: No, that is the problem. That is something that we've seen a lot with Netflix's other Oscar contenders this year, like Private Life, um, where, like, on its day of release, Private Life was put in the hidden gems category, which is, like, let it at least have the potential to be a regular gem before you put it in the hidden gems. Yeah,
0: don't don't hide it. That's not a hidden gem. You hid it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, that's the problem with Netflix – they're trying to do so much at once, but yeah. you know, it's like,
0: yeah, it's peak content, but maybe we could just have like good stuff and like advertise it and put it in theaters. Like I really would have loved to see this in a theater. And I, I think, you know, I loved never look, look away, which I talked, we talked about in a couple episodes ago in the foreign film category. And I think part of that is because I was sitting in a theater and could not move for three hours. Um, I probably would have enjoyed this film more if I had seen it on a big screen, but I'm not going to pay $17 or $22 to see it. That's insane. I oh, go yeah, to the yeah. opera for that amount of money.
1: <laughs> it's just, hopefully Netflix will get their shit together. I think truly in any other year, had Netflix gotten their shit together by this point, um, Rome would be a much stronger contender for Best Picture than it is this year. I just think it really is a matter of Netflix did not quite, Figure out how to make it this best. This like major contender, but yeah. you know, it'll I mean, win it, some, some it, awards. It, yeah,
0: it kind of has gotten by on its merit alone, and how much people like Alfonso Cuaron. Mm. Like
1: and, you know, that's that, it, like, is a, like,
0: it is a big contender because he won the DGA, and and it's nominated for so many other things. He'll probably win director for this, and. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it is a big contender, but it would be a lock, you're right, if they had marketed it better. Or frankly, again, I, I say if it had been uh, released by a different studio.
1: Yeah. It, Netflix has to figure it out. They have to figure out how to get their movies in theaters, how to um, get people talking about them more outside yeah. of, like, through memes. <laughs> like, because yeah. like, you can't make Roma a meme. You can't do a, like, how they did the Bird Box challenge. You can't do the Roma <laughs> Like... drown your kids Um, yeah like like the Romo challenge go save kids that are drowning (laughs) terrible
0: um the next movie is a star is born which uh we again we've also talked about many many times on this podcast um and which was a front runner like six months ago and now could would there's no fucking way it would win if it won it would would be moonlight levels of shocking um
1: poor bradley
0: yeah (laughs) yeah totally uh poor bradley I, I, poor poor bradley and gaga this movie is so good and i think it's the kind of thing where like um i actually kind of said this about la la land too though i think this is a better film i think there's a lot of like low grade misogyny going on <laughs> because it's a movie mostly about a woman it's about split or it's you know closer to split half and half here but she is the titular star like a girl gets frid, a guy gets fridged, so a girl can can fly, and I think that is upsetting to people, even if they are not acknowledging it. Um, and I think this is the kind of movie, and I like, to bring it back to the Lawland thing, where in 20 years people are going to look back at how much people hated this movie and wonder why what is what was wrong with our grandparents? Number one, like. Or 20 years, what am I saying? Like, you know, what was wrong with those people? This is a very good movie. All of these performances are good. What's the problem?
1: The start, Like, We're going to look back, kind of like with Alan, and I just think people will think, oh, like, that movie was not nearly as worth fighting about as we thought. I mean, like, literally the same year we had Green Book. Like, it's like, like, why are we wasting our energy fighting about if A Star is Born is good? Because it's just, it's so well made. And it's so well acted and even if you don't particularly get invested in the emotions of the story like there's so little to complain about with it where like i'm like how are you walking away from it and i do agree with you i think there's like this level of misogyny with it of just viewing it as this movie that is like quote unquote like a chick flick which is such a tired trope i thought we were moving away from that we're clearly not um and like um I saw some great tweet that was basically saying, um, like, Academy voters, and I think by extension a lot of audiences, are not supporting A Star is Born or voting for A Star is Born because they're viewing it as the film that they shouldn't like in this, like, woke culture. But, like, because it's, like, quote-unquote, simple. It's just a love story. But um, it's, you know, there's nothing problematic about it. It's so well made, and it's so well done. And I'm just, right, it, well, yeah it's
0: it's that thing. Like you're right. It, it's just a love story, but like, why is that a problem? Is my question. Like, there is very great writing. Um, and Helen Peterson of of uh of Buzzfeed did a great had a, has a book about um, difficult women, essentially called Too Fat, Too Slutty, Too Loud. And there's a a section on the way that writing for women particularly those that are like love stories um romance novels and things like that are deliberately ghettoized in the sort of uh, because of this undercurrent of misogyny and like things that are love stories are immediately dismissible because they are meant for women usually and if even if this is just a love story why is that why is that still not deserving of prestige why is a comic book movie more deserving of prestige? Like, why is everybody saying that, like, fucking, why is Infinity War robbed? Why is Paddington robbed when when this is a legitimately good film about people? Which mm. is not actually very difficult or, or not actually very common in this, like, world that we live in film-wise now. I feel like I see movie after movie after movie sometimes, and there's they're not about human beings. Incredibles 2 is not about human beings, even though they're about human be It's about human beings.
1: <laughs> it's just, no, it's and it, this is the same narrative we have at the Oscars over and over and over again, where, mm-hmm. like, for whatever reason, a love story that wins or gets nominated is viewed in this category of lesser. I mean, you have, like, yeah. Titanic is... Uh, but, uh, like, not amongst people who I think grew up with it. I think people that grew up with Titanic really look back at it fondly. But, like, the bro film culture of today, who, like, were either very young when Titanic came out or, like, missed it completely, um, mm-hmm. view Titanic as, like, this punchline of a film. And it's like, but yeah. why? Like, it's like, look at yeah. what's happening in that movie. It's a technical marvel. It is so well done that, like, because you're yeah. uncomfortable, get, like being interested in a love story, you're, like, you view it as lesser. If I have to defend Shakespeare and Love to one more fucking pretentious person, I'm going to lose it, people. Like, like... Well, you are. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like, it's, like, I just think we have such a negative view of love stories or, like, quote-unquote chick flicks and romantic comedies that it's so tiring. And it's, like the The fact that we, for whatever reason, value movies like—and this is not a diss towards the movie whatsoever—but like you look back at films like Gladiator or films like um, Return of the King, and you see those as like worthy best picture winners, but then other films aren't—is so indicative of just like ingrained misogyny in um, film culture.
0: Yeah, the one I always think of is The English Patient, which on truly is the movie that made me interested in the Oscars. And every time I read an article about, like, Oscar best-picture winners, that one always comes up as one that shouldn't have won, which is utter fucking
1: horseshit. It's just, it's so frustrating. I want more movies like like The English Patient, not like, I don't want more Gladiators or more, I mean, I, actually, I would kind of like more Gladiators. <laughs> I don't want more Return of the Kings. We we had that with The Hobbit, and it was bad. Give me more English Patients. Give me more... <laughs> yeah,
0: we literally got it, and it was terrible. Yeah, give me more
1: English Patients. Give me more Titanics. Give me more um shakespeare in love please give me more shakespeare in love like yeah. it's like they set it up for a sequel people but um like you know it's just we we have so much to fix and a star is born had a lot to carry on its shoulders but for a brief moment in october we thought it might win and that was a nice month
0: <laughs> yeah it would have it would have been nice it would have been a nice winner honestly like it would have been a nice winner I I, really realistically especially if like fucking green book wins uh, it's it's just yeah I we've said it all like I basically examine yourselves people if you're if you're hating on this movie and it's not for a a technical reason or if it's about if it's about the damn story I'd like to hear why and maybe you should examine why that is why you think this story is so dismissible truly I really I really think y'all gonna just look into yourselves um fix
1: yourselves everybody
0: fix yourselves um speaking of fixing yourself adam mckay's vice um (sighs) that is the last nominee on this list um we've talked about it a bunch because we have to not because we wanted to um i hate it how about you (laughs) (laughs)
1: um yeah i kind of hate it too um in the grand scheme of things if i had to like pick a film, like, rank the films in order that I would like them to, or I wouldn't mind them winning. It's on the upper end because, like, you know, like, um, Green Book and uh, Bohemian Rhapsody just truly disgusted me as like, a film goer, And then Vice more just made me mad. And I'd rather be mad than disgusted. So, you know, it's like at the very least an abuser won't win if Vice wins. Um,
0: right. Yeah. We've shit on Vice a lot. But I I will say this. um, Someday. I think Adam McKay will probably figure it out eventually. Uh, He's got a movie with Jennifer Lawrence coming up. Which could be disastrous. But but, but could be the final breakthrough. Because he. The problem with a lot of these films is that. And even this one on some level. Is that he just doesn't care about fucking women characters. (laughs) And is pretty bad at portraying them putting putting them on screen and this one is better than the previous one but the previous one no women had like characters had
1: names so yeah it's like there were no women in the big show, and now there are women so yeah. it's like well,
0: there were women but they were ornamental let's true. not forget that they were literally margot robbie in a bathtub
1: and selena gomez at a casino but yeah. um it's just like and Marissa Tomei is a supportive wife, and I mean, I like The Big Short more than more than you, but I still think it's a it's a yeah. I think her I think her character's name is literally wife, which is insane. She's an Oscar yeah. winner, people, but um, like, you know, Vice is the sort of film. It's it's really infuriating on many levels to me. It's the sort of film they um I can't think of the company that runs them, and I mean, there are so many different versions of these jokes that float around, around in an Oscar season, but they do those honest movie um those honest <laughs> posters for the Oscar movies. And Vice's honest poster was, like, in a critic's quote bubble, like, wow, I didn't know any of this, like, the hidden history. And then it's, like, attributed to, like, a guy who just took a freshman college course. And I mean, like, you know, it's, like, it really is. I watched that movie and I'm, like, you know, like, we live through this, people. (laughs) Like, it's, like, I was in fourth grade when, like, they were reelected. And I remember most of this. (laughs) Like, it's, like, um...
0: Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's like someone like uh, it's like he's truly thinking he's saying something revolutionary, revolutionary, and, and and like showing us something we never knew. But it's like dumb, you dumb bitch. We already knew about it.
1: Uh, and just I don't know. It's it's a very annoying film. I want Adam McKay to go back to making silly comedies. And when I say silly, I mean it in the best way possible. Like yeah, and you know those movies are masterpieces and my
0: friends and i in high school almost exclusively sp- spoke in quotes from his movies
1: it's he defined culture for a really long time and now it's like i don't know like and i you it's funny you mentioned his jennifer lawrence film coming up about, about elizabeth holmes the mm-hmm. um very controversial tech um i don't know what her actual term would be but like just figure in the tech world. And, um, you know, like, I'm really dreading that movie because I just think, like, his tone of, like, gotcha journalism as a movie will come off so poorly with it's when it's around a woman, I think. Um, yeah. Because it's
0: really mansplaining.
1: Yes. And just, like, I mean, I'm not going to pretend I know that much about Elizabeth Holmes' story. I... I I know like the like the bullet points maybe but like um I am not looking forward to however he's going to depict her in a movie and it's a shame because Jennifer Lawrence is really wonderful and I just wish she like had a better like partner in making that movie
0: yeah bring back David O. Russell everyone <laughs>
1: justice for david russell justice for hashtag justice for david russell
0: um that brings us through all the nominees um for the last time what would the what are the things we would have rather seen um we've talked about many times that you can't uh win a win an election if you don't campaign and there are many things that i'm about to mention that didn't actually campaign but i would have loved to see um i would have loved to support the girls i would have loved an annihilation uh yeah, I would have loved two of those things. They never had a chance, though.
1: Yeah, I would have loved "Can You Ever Forgive Me," which probably campaigned a little bit, but definitely focused more of its efforts on acting, which worked because they both got yeah. nominated. Yeah, um, I, that
0: would have been great to see it. You're right, but it it's a shame that it, it could only put you could only put so money in so many places. You know. Yeah,
1: and they they spent it well. Like those two yeah. actors deserve nominations. Um, I would love to have seen a nomination for If Beale Street Could Talk, which I think, again, if we're talking about campaigning, Annapurna just does not know how to market movies. And they made so many bad calls with releasing this film and just kind Mm -hmm. of, like, dumping it in theaters at the same time as um, Vice, which they also produced and clearly cared more about, even though critics were much more enamored with Beale Street. So it's sort of a surprise they didn't put their money towards that. Um,
0: Yeah, but I think they must have seen the the money, where the money would go. Yeah. Like, sad. which was going to make more, honestly.
1: It's a wild just year for, like, what got attention and what's it in. But, you know, in oh, general, it's... though, it was a good year for movies 2018. It's, like, yeah, it's funny, like... it's it a very
0: like, good year for movies.
1: I, like, this is probably the first year that I can remember, maybe since 2011, when, like... I, yeah, since 2011, when the artist won. It is the first year that I truly do not care much about the Oscars, and I'm watching it more with this sort of mindset of, like, I hope Green Book does Like, I hope Green Book doesn't win more than I hope any of the other movies have a chance at winning. Like, it's like... It's like, I'm really rooting for not Green Book. <laughs> That's what I basically want. And, and obviously, what you mean Rhapsody, but I yeah. only say Green Book because I think... I think Green Book genuinely has a shot at winning, and honestly, at this point in early February, I think it's the film that has the biggest chance I, th- I i'm predicting it to win i agree no, I um agree. bohemian Raps. i don't think has a chance at winning so like that's the only reason why i'm not rooting actively against it
0: yeah yeah i mean it, it's crazy that the basically the the front runners are black panther green book and roma which is insane it's insane
1: <sighs> i don't know i can only hope that you know 2017 really spoiled me because it was like you had Get Out, Lady Bird, and Come By Your Name nominated for Best Picture. And I truly think all three of those films were, like, instant classics and deeply important films about social mm-hmm. just, justice and representation that, like, to have all three in the same year is incredible. And then you also had nominated for Best Picture, Dunkirk, which is one of the best technical movies. I've had... Like, God, had that movie so good. So good. So, you know, 2017 is, like, you have four great movies that I completely loved and then a bunch of other films that I liked like quite a bit and then you know to go to 2018 where it's like I love Black Panther and I love Black Klansman I guess and like I and the Star is Born quite a bit and even Roma but it's like none of them strike this passion in me of like I really wanted to win it's like I'm more just like, please don't let Green Book win. <laughs> like, that's... Yeah. That. And then also, I mean, we should just, I guess, quickly mention that the Academy is making a bunch of weird fucking decisions with how they're going to present this year's award ceremony, which has really made me upset and, like, just, like, shows yeah. you more and more how little they care about their actual core audience and they just want ratings, which is so silly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting point about it. I, I think you're right. I actually... I, I would hate... I'd be so furious if Bohemian Rhapsody Green Book or Vice won because it's just, it would be (laughs) to like, it's almost like a Groundhog Day situation of like, if those three win, it's an expression of we have, we're, we're still in a place where we're not quite learning the lessons yet. Mm -hmm. If none of those win, and literally pretty much anything else won, it would be an indicator that we are. It's starting to take hold this this cultural shift, because yeah. like I said, cult, big cultural shift here. It would be, it would feel like a backslide, as it were, if it, three one of those three won. It really would.
1: I will say I'm a little optimistic for something. I, I always think back to 2016 when again it shows you how like quaint the the 2016 fight was because like in hindsight, La La Land is fine but like i remember watching 2016 and being so like hopeful that moonlight would win and it really didn't seem like it would and then it did and it was in the most spectacular way possible yes and it was so lovely and one of my favorite memories of as both as both an oscar fan and just like a fan of moonlight and a fan of yeah having films that are diverse and are giving like spotlights to stories that we had never had before on screen um so that was really lovely. So I'm hoping I'm like, come on, the, the same Oscar body that made Moonlight win cannot give it to Green Book, right? And I'm yeah, and and the
0: and that Oscar body is even more diverse than it was um, in 2016, and there the conversation is completely different when it was in 2016 for the well for the when we say 2016, by the way, we mean the movies that came out that year. It aired in 2017 or whatever, right? No,
1: it aired in 2017, but it, it yeah. um it, I hate that like. That's like the unfortunate, like you have to, when when I say 2016, I mean the films of 2016.
0: Yeah. 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 That's why I just want to clarify. Actually, it's, it's important that we're talking about that now because, um, this is the end of this little mini series as it were. Thanks again for listening to like these every day, essentially. Um, but we are going to start a new thing in the next couple weeks. Um, Uh, There you know, throughout the year there are going to be things that come out that we're going to talk about for next year's Oscars, but I think we need a bit of a break on that. But we also want to do something a little new. Um, And it's basically going to be doing what we were just doing a second ago, which is looking back at at years of Best best Picture and Oscar uh, winners. Um, We're going to go year by year. We're not going to go chronological. We're going to jump around a bit. Um, And... We have a little format going. Uh, Matt, why don't you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so this was an idea that we both have been talking about doing for a while. Um, It's something that I'm really fascinated by, just as someone who's, in the past few years, like, the way I watch movies has definitely changed. I used to, like, and I think this is very natural for people when they get into film, film viewing, like, take the same rubric and apply it to films, no matter what year was being released or what, like... Filmmaking was like at the time, but now I've really become interested in looking back at the stories of that year in a film and like learning about that what that film was like when it, like at its time of release and, and thinking about just film history in a broader scale. So as Oscar lovers, I think Marissa and I want to explore these previous Oscar years and really just sort of look at what won, look at what was nominated, use our own knowledge of film in general to look back at what wasn't nominated from that year but is still relevant in the film. And just kind of assess the oscar years and um i think we, we this is official at this point we're calling it and the winner still is right
0: i think so yeah <laughs> yeah
1: Um uh, we have a little google doc people but i did not check to see if we were still calling it that but um we want to just explore you know like how the best picture winners and the best, best picture nominees have aged our own stories about watching these movies because like you know we made little references to like our anecdotes of watching these films, but I think we have we probably have a lot of fun stories to share about experiencing these films and how our views of these films have grown as we've grown and have watched more movies. We're gonna have some guests, we have some fun guests lined up for a few of our episodes that I'm really excited to get to get into. And I just think it's gonna be a really fun way of examining previous years in film and examining previous Oscars and seeing, you know, what we would have what 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 would have liked to have seen when at the time and what we think and like just what we think of these movies today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's also just about like you know, it, it's important to remember when we're talking so intensely about the Oscar season, like it it does sort of fizzle out very quickly. Um mm-hmm. In some cases. Like, there are whole years that, like, no one really <laughs> talks about anymore. And I think this is, this year is going to be one we talk about a lot. Uh, we already said that. But it's it's important to look back and see what the Oscars really means. Because I, I think everybody has a concept, uh, and but it's not always what the Oscars actually does. Like, I, I always say, I've always said this, um, that, like, I think you can argue that something else should have won, but I think the things that win every year are indicative of their time period. And I I, I have a hard time arguing that something shouldn't have won because everything is, every Oscar winner is a product of its time, like fully and completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's hard to examine that completely just without just A, because we weren't alive <laughs> back in 1927 when it start, first started. Um, but culture changes so quick and we're in a cultural change shift right now. Like I watched Greece a couple years ago or no, like last year and thought, I think this is the last time I can comfortably watch this film because culture is changing so much. Um, and I think that's going to be true. A lot of these, a lot of these movies. Um, and it's, I think it's instructive to look back on them because film changes and it is a reflection of us just as much as it is something that influences us. So yeah, look for that in probably within a month of when this goes up um, the first thing you're going to hear from us is going to be um, a wrap up podcast of the um, the Oscar ceremony in a couple of days uh, that'll go up the next day um, and then we'll start posting these fairly soon um, we are watching all of the best picture nominees um, which is a lot if you I calculated it up very quickly in my head the other day and it's like 65 movies for just these first dozen or so episodes um because not every year had only five <laughs> before <laughs> before this recent rank choice voting situation. Um, and we're going to start with 1999 because uh, we're already doing a, a retrospective of all the movies that came out in 1999 throughout the whole year. Um, because it's 20 years ago. Um, so we're going to start with 1999 to sort of link with that and talk about all those movies. And it's it's a hugely in- influential and insane year in film as well. Like, not even... like just the fact that it's exactly 20 years ago it's a crazy year in film and we are going from the year, year the movies came out not the the year the ceremony happened um, so the 1999 films would be like American Beauty, Cider House Rules, Green Mile The Insider and The Sixth Sense um, and then we're going to go back 60 years and do 1939 and then we'll have a couple other episodes after that we got planned we'll talk about those more later but in case you wanted to watch those those films those are what they are
1: and you should um, join join it join us for these conversations. Like, yeah. tweet at us. Hate tweet at us. I don't care. Like, yeah. <laughs> tell us how much you
0: love Dark Victory. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's going to be some heated takes of a Dark Victory. I'm calling in now.
0: <laughs> really? No. <laughs> that, can you imagine? <laughs> uh, that would be great. I, that would be. I would love if that were the controversial t- film in that group of films
1: please like ryan murphy will add us since he just <laughs> loves betty davis <laughs>
0: yeah we're gonna get sued by um
1: <laughs> by what's her name from my favorite like lawsuit ever maybe like that is like i don't even know her name the girl from feud who like is suing them for defamation i think because yeah. she like in I... this show calls her sister a bitch and she's like i never did that <laughs> <laughs> like okay. i love that it's so great <laughs> Um, but yeah, look out! Look out for those pretty
0: soon. So 1999 and 1939 are the first two you got to wa- uh, watch all the films for. We're watching all the films, um, and yeah, this is this has been our Oscar nomination series. We'll probably be back again next year to do it. Good God! Um, I think we'll be back yeah, in less than a
1: month to talk about us. Like we're going to get we're going to have to get started right away. Oscar season's starting earlier than ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, Tribeca is any second. Um, but yeah. Um, listen to us for the uh, one right after the Oscars. Thanks for listening, everyone.
1: Bye, everyone. Thank you.